Just before we get started, today's episode is an experiment into the world of Taste Along podcasts. So if you'd like the full Taste Along experience, you'll need some fruit pastels, some minty bubble-filled chocolate, some cream soda, and if you're rarely going for the full Taste Along experience, some macaroni cheese. You can find all this information in our show notes in your podcast app, or you can just listen along as normal. Welcome to the season finale of the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin, area ranger in the northwest of England, and today I'll be experiencing the Lake District in a way I've been putting off for years. Nowadays, a Lakeland walk often starts in the high-tech world of downloaded routes, mobile apps and GPS. But for decades, many people have found the simplicity of handwritten directions and sketches the most rewarding way to find their way around the fells. Today I'll be joining them and discovering the wonderfully descriptive world of Alfred Wainwright. As I sit here on this bus watching the Lakeland Vistas pass me by, I can really see why Alfred Wainwright was so inspired by this landscape. Wainwright books are so unique in relation to walk books. I've got loads of walk books at home, but unlike those, the Wainwright books are hand-drawn. You can actually see where his pen's been on the page, the ink marks, the handwriting. There's even a little doodle at the side of the pages. It's such a beautiful personal artwork, as well as being a lovely guidebook. Today, I'll be tackling Castle Crag in the Borrowdale area, which is one of the summits known affectionately as the Wainwrights. In preparation, I've been reading this entry in one of his pictorial guides. If a visitor to Lakeland has only two or three hours to spare, poor fellow, but he really wants to reach a summit and take back an enduring memory of this gorgeous area, then make sure he needs to climb Castle Crag. I'm really looking forward to today's walk and exploring this area through Waymite's eyes. This route actually starts in Grange, which is the next stop for this bus. Grange is also where I'll be meeting Woodland Ranger Morris Pankhurst and James Wanerton, my mystery walking companion for the day. Thanks. See you later. Hi, Morris. I'm Kate. Nice to meet you. Good morning, Kate. Nice to meet you on a fine day like this in a very long time since I've been here. So you're the Woodland Ranger for this area, are you? I'm the Woodland Ranger for the North Lakes, yes. Quite a lot of people think of the Lake District. Woodland, quite often, isn't the first thing that comes to mind. But here, the Woodland is glorious. Borrowdale is probably the uh, most wooded valley in the Lake District. The Borrowdale oak woodlands are referred to as the Atlantic oak woodlands. They are further recognised at a European level as our temperate rainforests. The walk that I'm doing today is obviously going to go through some of this woodland. And obviously you said it's a temperate rainforest, think of it like that. So I'm guessing I'm not going to see monkeys or elephants like <laughs> I did when I was in, in rainforest elsewhere. But what should I be looking out for today? If you might see dipper on the river, you're quite likely to bump into either roe deer, red deer, red squirrels. What should actually come to mind as you walk through these woodlands is is not the wild life but the wild plants that you're going to encounter. So what are some of the plants that I should be looking out for today and how can I identify them? My suggestion to everybody when they walk through an Atlantic oak wood is don't walk quickly. In the oak canopy it's shared with other species like silver birch, like mountain ash, hawthorn, holly, hazel 
and then on the trunks of the trees are the mosses and liverworts and on the boulders. Now, to look at those, you've really got to slow down and you've really got to stop and look. The thing is, you're looking at small things, lots of small things growing on huge areas. Stop and sit, just look round you and take it all in. I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds like there's so much to see, but it's, as you say, it's keeping your eyes and ears open. Yep. You're walking through a rainforest and it's raining. What could be better? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what could be more appropriate? Hello, are you Kate? I am. Hello, James. I believe you're my walking partner for the day. I am indeed, yeah. Fantastic. Have you met Morris, the woodland ranger for here? James, pleased to meet you. Hi, Morris. Well, Morris isn't going to be joining us today, but um, just looking at the Wainwright book, it says we need to leave Grange along a lane something about a YHA sign opposite the Methodist church. So is it that way? That's it, that's correct. If we get lost, so anyone yeah, can ask. Well, in the event you get lost, <laughs> you'll come to a campsite. You'll find Jordan there. If you have any questions, he's the man to speak to. You ready to go, James? Yep, yep. Great, Good let's luck. go. Thank you. We're just coming out of Grange now and I can see a sign for Hollows Farm, which is marked on the map. So I think this is the way to go. All Take right. a left here. The Wainwright book says, it is an excellent route for walkers bound for Seatola or Honister and avoids the main road entirely. The ascent proper starts at point A, where a wooden style is seen on a wall to the left. The detail is given below. For a hand-drawn map, they're actually pretty detailed. I mean, as we walk along here, I've got the River Derwent to our left. We've got trees and there's little drawings of trees, little open areas, as you can see, obviously the fields peeking through to our right-hand side. And even the sort of density of the woodland is sort of covered by how close the trees are drawn together. So although it's maybe not as sort of cartographized as an OS map, it's still pretty easy to follow just with the drawings that, that he's done. They're pretty impressive, really. I don't know that much about Wainwright, apart from the beer in my local pub. What do you know about Wainwright? Well, I don't know that much. I just want to stop, is I'm a little bit curious, because I don't know much about Alfred Wainwright. Sounds like you don't know that much about Alfred Wainwright. So why have we been paired together? Why are we here? Uh, well, Kate, the reason is um, I, like you and everybody else that comes here, can appreciate all this natural beauty, the sights, the smells and the sounds. Um, but I also taste sounds and I taste the environment because I have a neurological trait called synesthesia, which essentially gives me uh, the ability to translate all sound into a, into a mouthfeel taste. That's absolutely fascinating. Synesthesia is a neurodevelopmental condition which is often described as a kind of merging of the senses. So everyday things like letters or music can trigger secondary, additional, automatic experiences. My name is Louisa Rinaldi. I'm a research fellow at the University of Sussex. The last time I checked it was like 70 plus types of synesthesia. The most common is letter and colour synesthesia where you see letters and numbers as having colours. James has a type of synesthesia in which words and sounds cause taste sensations for him in his mouth. What's happening with synesthetes is that when you're about two years old, you have lots and lots and lots of different connections in your brain. And in most people, a lot of those connections that you don't use get pruned away. 
and you don't have them anymore as an adult. We think that maybe in synesthesia, those connectivity pathways will remain. That might be how you get synesthesia. So all the different things that we see, they all give you a specific taste. Oh, yeah. When you get these sensations, is it an actual sort of taste in your mouth or is it more of a sort of a, an association that you get? It's an actual mouthfeel. It's got volume, it's got temperature as well. Um, and it's got taste and texture. Standing by this beck now, what does the beck taste like to you? Right, well, uh, I've got a bag of goodies here and um, it tastes like this. Oh, well, cream soda. Can I have a sip? Yeah, yeah, sure, try some. Having a sip of that cream soda, I'm getting sort of creamy, vanilla-y flavours, but then that kind of, the texture of the bubbles popping in my mouth. Is that kind of how it feels and tastes to you? Yeah, exactly how it feels and tastes. And it's, um, it's sort of like nice emotions that go with it because it reminds me of having cream soda as a child. It's just an instant throwback. The cream soda I suffered as a child was bright green, and I don't think that's legal anymore. Which is a shame. <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see what comes next. So you have to keep going? Yep, let's get going. The colours up on the fells now, you know, as we're getting into that autumn, those beautiful sort of the russet of the bracken and then you've still got the sort of green and then obviously the, the, the grey of the scree and then the crags. It's just beautiful. The road's just forking here, so I'm not quite sure which way to go. Hopefully we can find Jordan who can help us. In fact, here he is. Hello, Jordan. We're doing this Castle Crag walk from the Wainwright book oh, and yeah. we're looking for point A. So are we going in the right direction? You're in the right direction, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, in fact, I've just finished up here so I can walk with you if you like. That'd be great. Fantastic. Let's go. So Jordan, this is James, who's my walking partner for today. And we're doing obviously the uh, Wainwright Castle Crag Walk, but both James and I have realised that although we have some familiarity with Wainwright, we don't know a whole lot about him. So I'm right, okay. hoping you might be able to fill us in with a bit more information. He was a working lad from Lancashire. He would come up to the lakes and, you know, he fell in love with this place, as many of us do when we come here. He started sort of mapping his walks in the fells, mapping the landscape here, mapping the journeys for himself. Slowly over a period of about 13 years, he mapped all 214 summits above a thousand feet wow. in the lakes. What he would do is come up here at the weekend, taking the bus. He would make various notes on his walk, maybe a few illustrations as well, have some fish and chips, head home, and then spend the rest of the evenings in his week after work mapping out this landscape. Did he ever plan for them to be published? Initially, it was for his pleasure. And when he finished his first book, he realized that maybe other people would like to see this as well. But it began as a love and a passion. 
and we're here 60 years later now, walking in his footsteps. Just come out of the woodland into a bit of a, an open area. You can probably hear actually the river to our left-hand side, which is much broader, uh, quite rushy, tumbly. Now, James, before you were saying the Beck we were by tasted like cream soda, this looks very different. So does it taste different to you? Because there's rocks in the river, it's adding substance to that cream soda taste that's still there. What would you think it tastes like? Because it's got like little gritty bits like rock. I don't know, like, um, like a mint matchmaker. You know, you've got the chocolate, then you've got that little gritty bits of sort of flavoured sugar in it. That's kind <laughs> of how I imagined it would taste. Yeah, I mean, that is remarkably similar. It tastes to me like that. So Aero bubble the... mints. There you go. Ooh, lovely, thank you. There you go, Jordan. A taste of the River Derwood. Mm. There you go. I think what it is with me, with mint, is I associate mint with cold. Sort of, you get like a, like a cold, crisp, frosty morning when you go out and you breathe that cold air in. I get a minty taste in my mouth and I yeah. think... I, I associate mint with cold. Because what you're doing there is you're adding another another sense to the experience, aren't you? So checking back to the book, it says the old road formerly served Righead Quarry and is now in bad condition. It is an excellent route for walkers, however, bound for Seatola or Honister and avoids the main road entirely. You almost feel like he's on the walk with you, don't you, really? Yeah. As much as we want people to walk in the footsteps of Wainwright. The footfall now is, is way higher than it would have been in his day. So we do get problems with erosion, unfortunately. So this path is his route. It's a nice hard wearing surface. So there's not too many issues here, but a little bit further up the valley, Wainwright took a walk up a very famous fell called Cat Bells. Mm -hmm. It was a wet day, very similar to today, and he took a shortcut off the side of the fell. So everyone that follows the guidebook takes the shortcut down a steep vegetated slope that caused the vegetation to be lost and it caused a huge landslide. So we try wherever possible to make sure that people have a route to walk that is similar to his. If you stick to the paths, you can still see Wainwright's landscape. You just may not necessarily all the time be walking on one of his paths. So as we're walking up the hill here, there's quite a lot more water here than there is normally. Uh, I've never actually seen the water level this high here. It's been raining a lot for the past sort of three or four days. So we need to do this elf fashion, quick and light on our feet. Light on our feet, exactly. Right, you gonna go, should we go? I'll hop over. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey. All right, what, what I'm getting now is I'm getting a really interesting taste and texture from the sound of the rain as it hits the leaves as it, uh, as it comes down. Um, and it's a bit similar to, to these here. Lemon, like little lemon drops? Yeah, they're like little lemon, lemon pips, tiny, tiny pip tastes. Do you want to try some? Absolutely. Let's try a lemon drop, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, hey, did you hear that dog bark just oh, then? Yeah, 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 just in the distance, yeah. It's a very, very strong taste of custard slightly lumpy custard really like, nice like school dinner custard yeah yeah exactly like school dinner custard yeah yeah really really nice 
Well, that's fascinating, but I've got a feeling we've got a bit of a way to go yet, so should we keep <laughs> going? Yep, yep, let's go. Okay, well, this is point A. So this is where I leave you and uh, get on with a bit of work. So enjoy the summit and uh, yeah, I'll see you on your way back down. Are you sure you don't want any hand with your work? I think I'll be all right, to be honest. Good, because you weren't going to get one. <laughs> James and I are going to carry on. So you ready yeah. to go? Yeah, ready to go. Thanks, Jordan. Walking up here, we're surrounded by larch trees. And one of the things Wainwright says, when we get towards the summit is the fact that there are these larches clinging onto the side of the crag. And it's still so green up here as well. You know, autumn just comes out a little bit later up here in these sort of temperate rainforests. And it's amazing considering, you know, it's nearly November and there's an oak tree in front of me that's still bright green. But onwards and upwards. start going up here isn't it particularly now we've come above the tree line and we're working on this sort of slate of the spoil heap it's uh it's in places it's a bit one step forward two steps back isn't it you're just <laughs> slipping on the slate yeah so it's so varied this is fantastic so it's been a bit of a slog but we finally got up here good place to have lunch, I think. Shall we sit down and have some lunch? Absolutely. It's been worth it, though. A magnificent view. Wainwright has done this fantastic drawing in the book of all the things that you can see from this point, you know, and you can, we can see the river from here. Yeah. And we can, you know, just about see Scarfell Pike off in the distance through mm. the clouds. So it's amazing, you know, it gives us a real sense of where we are in the landscape. Yeah, yeah. But I think the thing I would really like to know is on our ascent up here, what have all the sights and sounds tasted like to you? What kind of taste journey has it been for you? Well, I mean, it's been, a, it's, it's an ideal place to stop for lunch because I'm uh, quite hungry now because there's been a, a, massive, a massive taste coming up here. The sound of the wind. I had a really, really strong taste of lemonade, but sort of like the pink sour lemonade. That was the wind throwing through the trees. And I, I've heard the occasional crow, which that gives me a taste and texture of apricot pieces, but with the furry bit as well, you know, the skin. Yeah. Probably the only bit I didn't like too much was the slate. For me, that gives me a taste and texture of the toffee you get on the top of toffee apples. It's like eating glass, really. One of the tastes and textures that stuck out more than anything else, a solitary bird singing. That, for me, is always, always taste and texture of these. Fruit pastels. Fruit pastels. <laughs> Whenever I hear a bird sing, I get a lovely tingling sensation on the outside of my, my tongue, and it's um, eating a fruit pastel while listening to a bird is tremendous try it crack out my packet of fruit pastels feel like a child again <laughs> right i'm going to see if i can taste the bird song thank you i'm faced by currants 
Yeah, it doesn't say bird song to me. I can't get beyond the black currant. I obviously don't have the trick. The taste journey you've taken me on, James, so far. It's been wonderful. But I thought we could just stop and take another look at the view before we head down. Just see the river there winding through at the foot of the valley. It's beautiful, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely magnificent. Well, Wainwright has something to say about the river. So he says, whether time permits or not, on no account miss a little riverside walk below Lohau. Here are the most beautiful reaches of the Derwent. This walk may be followed through to Millican Dalton's Caves. So I'm guessing that's where we're heading now. Are you ready to head down? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> Get out the wind and rain. Let's go. Hello again, Jordan. Still working hard? Or hardly working, you might say. <laughs> hardly working. How was it at the top? Do you like it? Um, it was beautiful, but somewhat cold, wet and windy. So very much a Lake District experience. A Lake District experience. Where are you on to next? Well, I was hoping you could show us where the caves are, because I believe they're a bit hard to find. Shall we get on our way? Let's go! Let's go! Come off the mountain now, and we're in woodland again. One of the things I love is the, the way the woodland floor seems to want to kind of travel up to the top of the tree with the mosses there. It's like the moss is trying to reach for the skies, isn't it? Yeah, and it kind of gives it that sort of fairy look, I think, that, yeah, that it fairy is. tale woodland. And now it's just a haven for mosses. Standing back, it just looks like just green. But when you get closer, you can see all the little different species. I always used to think it looked like a tiny, tiny little forest. You know, if you were like a little tiny pixie living in amongst that, it'd be like a little rainforest, wouldn't it? Oh, you could spend spend hours looking at it, couldn't you, I think? Coming up to another quarry now, getting very near to, near to the caves. The Wainwright book, it says these are something to do with Millican Dalton. So who's Millican Dalton? He was a banker down in London. In his late 20s, he decided he was gonna go and live in a cave for the rest of his days. He built up a sort of wealth of natural skills and he would weave his own clothes from nettles. He was one of the first mountain leaders to take women up into the fells, rock climbing and fell walking. I can see we're coming up to some caves now. It's just up here. Well, here we are now, sort of at the mouth of Millican's cave. So he was here pre-Second World War. Wow. So, so did he live here until he died? He did. He died in this cave. My word. But before he left, he carved these words into the stone. I can see the word don't. Don't waste words. Jump to conclusions. <laughs> From reading a bit about the kind of guy that he was, I think he was being a bit cynical there. I don't really think he was one to jump to conclusions about people or situations. So I like to think he was kind of jesting there. It's an interesting sentiment, isn't it? Don't waste words, jump to conclusions. I love the sounds of this place. Thousands of little tiny drips and drops and splashes and it sort of feels like an orchestra. 
you know, when you shut your eyes. Must be like a smorgasbord of flavours for you then with all the different sounds mm, in here. The flavours it invokes are all comfort food flavours. It's really oh, peculiar. Oh, mac and cheese. And... <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Really? Yeah, I've got some here. you want to try some? No, really? Oh. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> oh, it smells like home, that. Oh, that smells lovely. Mm, yeah. Right, so grab a spoon, have a taste, and see if I can get mm. the whole Millican Dalton experience. Okay, got a spoon. I mean, I suppose cheese gets aged in caves. I suppose that's the closest <laughs> I can get to it. I don't think synesthesia is something I, uh, I have, I'm afraid. Heading back into Grange now, end of our journey. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been a fantastic experience. It wasn't what I was expecting when I started out today. So uh, thank you very much. It's been wonderful. It's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic, Jordan. You've kindled old memories and been, it's been great. It's, and it's been extremely tasty as well. I'm glad I bumped into you. Right then, I will bid you guys farewell and I'm going to wait here for my bus. See okay. you later. See you, Kate. Great meeting you. So, waiting here at the bus stop and I'm just giving me some time to think about the lovely, lovely walk I've had today. And I've just found a line from the Wainwright book about Castle Crag. It's got a, a sort of square map with sort of drawings all over it. And it says that these, this sort of square that's drawn, it encloses the loveliest square mile in Lakeland, the jaws of Borrowdale. And I have to say, I think he's got a point from the woodlands to the crags to the rivers to the valley bottom it's a really varied area and especially this time of year when you've got the beautiful changing colors it's a real artist palette of colors yellows greens browns and the grays of the stone and the blues of the slate particularly walking with james made me think about those colors and the landscape in it in a different way I hadn't even considered before. I mean, it's a completely alien world to me, but it just gives you that little bit more depth, I think. It was a really lovely experience. listening to the season finale of the National Trust podcast. We're taking a break over Christmas and New Year and we will be back early in 2021. So make sure you stay subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss any episodes from the upcoming season. In the meantime, if you still need your National Trust podcast fix, you can listen to episodes from our back catalogue and our other podcast series. And these can be found at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. So until next time, from me, Kate Martin and the rest of the podcast team, goodbye. As we prepare for season five, we'd love to know what you think of this podcast. So if you'd like to help us improve the show, please give us your feedback by filling in our end of season survey. You can find a link to this in our show notes or go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts.